Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning to you, DMV. How's everybody doing today? 106.7 The Fan is on your AM FM dial. We're on the Odyssey app and we're on the stream at thefandc.com. However, you're tuned in this morning. We appreciate you hanging out with us for a bit. little pregame coverage before the U.S. men's national team goes toe-to-toe with the Netherlands in the round of 16. A full slate of college football action on Championship Saturday and, of course, more NFL headed your way tomorrow as well. We are happy to be here with you. My name is Danny Noakes, Caitlin in studio producing the show, and we're with you up until noon today. So get your calls in at 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. They'll be open throughout the show for you to get in on a conversation. We've got one guest coming up here in about 45 minutes, but a lot to get to today. Another way to get in touch with us is via Twitter. You can hit me up. I'm at Danny Noakes, or you can tweet the station at 1067 The Fan. We mentioned the big matchup for the U.S. men's national soccer team. They get the Netherlands at 10 o'clock this morning. Pre-game coverage is already going on if you're looking to watch that on television. But of course, keep the volume up here on your radio or your phone, whatever you've got us dialed in on. We certainly appreciate it. We got a Capitals game coming up a little bit later on tonight. 10 p.m. puck drop. The Caps are at the Calgary Flames, and we're going to be talking a little Caps with our Lone guest today, Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington's Capitals coverage. That's coming your way in about 45 minutes. We wanted to make sure that Matt had plenty of time, at least a couple of minutes, to finish up that interview with us before he goes off and and checks out that U.S. men's national team game against the Netherlands. And then, of course, tomorrow we've got the Commanders at the Giants, a one o'clock kickoff. Commanders on the road trying to keep their four-game win streak alive. And, you know, it's a big weekend for the Commanders. It's a big weekend in the NFL. We talked about it being championship Saturday in college football. Several matchups of two ranked teams and two, at least two, college football playoff berths on the line. It's World Cup Game 4 for the United States, so it's a big weekend in sports. Let's get after it. The NFL, though, before Thursday night, featured six matchups of teams that both had winning records. So similar narrative to what's going on in college football today, although that's kind of what you expect on Championship Saturday. But the first matchup of the weekend in the NFL that featured two teams with winning records was actually on Thursday between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. And we saw the Bills get the best of the Pats a couple of nights ago. We're going to look at some of the other matchups across the NFL, too. But of course, the point of emphasis here in the DMV, that matchup, 
the Commanders, a divisional game against the New York Giants. It's the first of two games that these two teams will play over the next three weeks. The Commanders have this game on Sunday. Then they get a bye, which is pretty late in the season. And that's before the Commanders will play the Giants again a week before Christmas. It's scheduled for Sunday, December 18th, but there is talk of if the Commanders win this Sunday, that that game, the second against the Giants, could be flexed into potentially the Saturday night slot, which only starts to rear its head later on in the NFL season. So we will keep our eyes on that course. The way that the Commanders play will also dictate exactly what happens there. But the the late bye week is actually a pretty good thing, I think, for the Commanders because, you know, having it later in the season is good. If you ask the players, I tend to think that they would agree. If it comes too early in the season, the bye week, that is, you're getting rest before you really need it. And I think that NFL players could use some additional rest at any point throughout the season. But The later you go into an NFL season, the more bumps and bruises you accrue and therefore more rest later in the season can be a pretty big benefit. So uh, to me, I think that this the way that the schedule sets up is actually pretty good. You know, they just got through a very winnable stretch, two games in particular. You beat the Texans, you beat the Falcons, the Falcons being a little bit more scrappy than a lot of folks would have thought when the season began. So they deserve credit for taking care of business and the Texans game being on the road. That was not a given either. But I think the commanders have to win at least one of these next two games against the Giants. And I think that they're going to have a very good chance to win both of them. You know, if you're looking at the lines, if you're a betting man like myself, the commanders are actually favored in this game against the Giants on the road. That's pretty uncommon, especially in the NFL. Generally, you've got around three points to work with if you're a home team. And last I saw, the Commanders were two-and-a-half-point favorites. That line might be a little bit smaller now. I can go back and check it, in fact, to get the latest on it. But it's still surprising that the Commanders would even be the favorites in a matchup of a 7-5 and and a 7-4 and team with the Commanders actually being the team that's on the road. But Washington, winners of four straight. The Giants have lost two in a row. And the Giants' last game came on Thanksgiving, a 28-20 loss to the Dallas Cowboys. And, and New York does one thing particularly well. It's run the football. Their offense overall, just the 20th-ranked unit in the league. But the number six rushing offense this season, thanks in large part to Saquon Barkley. Now, it sound, sounds like Derek Forrest, has, who's uh, been playing fantastic at safety for the Commanders this season, he's going to have the task of corralling Saquon Barkley. But the good news Commanders got a darn good defense, number 10 in the NFL and number eight against the run. So it's going to need to be a good effort, good game by Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. But that's kind of been par for the course for those two guys this season. And Commanders are going to need to lean on them heavily as we move into these divisional matchups, particularly when you consider the fact that the Commanders are without Cole Holcomb. But... As I said, it's a big weekend, not just in the NFL, college football, and in just under an hour, the United States men's soccer team will be taking on the Netherlands. That is a 10 o'clock kickoff. So I want to go on over to the phones where we've got some folks wanting to chime in. 800 636 
1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener line. And because it's coming up so soon, just under an hour, let's talk a little bit of soccer. Let's go to Mike in Stafford. Mike, thanks so much for calling in this morning. How are you? Good. Good morning, America. Let's go, <laughs> USA. Um, we have to start off by talking about uh, good old USA, Christian Pulisic, mm-hmm. scoring the goal for, uh, against Iran to put us through the round of 16. Mm-hmm. I mean, America needs to get behind their team. We didn't even qualify last tournament, and now we're in the round of 16. And I mean, everybody's winning these games. Everybody's beating everybody. Nobody's safe. Brazil lost yesterday, the day before that, Spain lost. I mean, if we can't get behind our team now and see the fact that, you know, the there's no ceiling for us, and these kids are, like, like just out of high school. They're, like, 20-something years old. These aren't the geriatric teams that we were putting out in the, in the mid-'90s and, you know, early 2000s. I mean, these kids are, are phenomenal. I mean, we're actually – playing ball now these guys are like playing in europe for the best teams i remember when we had one player playing over there we were so excited when landon donovan or clint dempsey was playing all right soccer over in europe and now every one of these kids are stars you know death is a star you know politic a star mckinney a star i mean everybody needs to wake up shake off you know saturday shake off friday night and get behind their team at 10 a.m well said, Mike. Thanks so much for calling in, man. Yeah, I totally agree with you, too. I, I think that he makes a lot of good points there. And and I saw Taylor Twelman, who is an analyst for the U.S. men's national team on ESPN, talk about how this team is already playing with house money. And, and I think what that falls back to is that, as Mike said, this is a very young unit, and they're actually overachieving right now. They're a little bit ahead of schedule. So, you know, maybe in another four years, we're talking about this team making an even deeper run in the in the FIFA World Cup. And that's under the assumption that they would lose to the Netherlands today. But that is by no means a guarantee. The Netherlands is good, yes. But the United States team, they're young. They're very talented. You heard Mike run through some of their studs between Pulisic, who is expected to play despite his pelvic contusion. No, he did not get hit in the groin. The contusion, though, is probably going to limit him somewhat. So... We'll kind of keep an eye on him because it was hinted at that he may not play the full 90 minutes, which I'm not sure he would normally play the full 90 minutes anyway. He would probably be a late sub, but maybe he comes out of the game a little bit earlier now. So, you know, that means guys like Weston McKinney have to step up. Tim Weah has to step up, and and he had a big goal, obviously, against Wales, but... You can't have any late letdowns like the United States team did have against Wales because this Netherlands team is going to be coming for you. All right, back to the phones, 800-636-1067. Before we go to a break, let's go to Brian in Georgetown. Brian, thanks so much for calling in this morning. What's going on? Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my car. Uh, I really enjoy your analysis, so I wanted your input realistically as a diehard fan been waiting for a long time for a meaningful December game. <laughs> what do you think our chances are with the playoffs? I know you mentioned you, you see it possibly happening, but with our formula of Taylor Heineke and defense and run game, especially in today's passing league. So I wanted your input on that. 
Yeah, you know, I think, uh, and and thanks so much for the call. We we appreciate it, Brian. Um, I think the Commanders' chances for the playoffs right now are good. You know, with the when it comes down to it, the NFC East has been the best conference or the best division rather in the NFL this year, which has certainly not been what people expected. You know, I was one of the people that said the AFC West with all those quarterbacks out there, Russell Wilson included, would be one of the best divisions, but that it did not end up being the case. So the commanders are in a good spot right now, seven and five. They're technically half a game back of the Giants team that they match up with tomorrow, but you've got your next two games against this Giants team. And I think at least one of these has to be a win. And if that's the case, you're at at least eight and six coming out of that stretch with a couple of more divisional games against the Cowboys to go, not to mention a matchup with Cleveland, who just got Deshaun Watt or is going to get Deshaun Watson back uh, this week. But obviously, there's a lot of talk around Taylor Heineke and, and whether or not his play is good enough to continue warrant him starting. And I think you can't put him on the bench as long as they keep winning, right? I mean, the guy has won all but one game this season for you. He's he's five and one. He's been fantastic. I, I guess from a gaming standpoint, right? Because from a, an analytical standpoint, or you start to break down some of the other uh, mistakes that he's made this season, you know, they 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 could add up as we get later on into the year and we start to get into some of these divisional games maybe they're they're not able to dig themselves out of some of the small holes that they dig themselves into with with some of those turnovers but you know, when it comes to the debate, Heineke, Wentz, Sam Howell, I, I think you go with the hot hand in this scenario because you're in a position to potentially make the playoffs. And despite the fact that, and I know there are fans out there that think, you know, this team has a lot of holes, you're better off being in a better position to draft players coming up in the spring. But I just don't think that there's any way you can really you know, give away this chance to compete in the playoffs because you just never know what can happen in any league, but but especially in the NFL. So uh, I like their chances. I like where they're at right now, but they're going to have to continue playing at the level that they've been playing at. And that's a tough pace to keep. That's one thing that I'll say. It's a tough pace to keep. And when you've got four divisional games on the horizon right here, it's, it's just going to be that much more difficult. I've got some more calls coming in right now, but we're coming up against the break. So for those that are on the line, just hold on for a second. We'll get to more United States men's national team analysis. The big matchup versus the Netherlands is coming up in about 45 minutes. Hang with us. We'll get to more of your calls on the other side of this break. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. We're with you this morning on 106.7 The Fan until noon. I'm Danny Noakes, Caitlin producing the show. And about 40 minutes from now, it's the United States men's national team going head-to-head with the Netherlands. Good news, Christian Pulisic, he's going to play. He is in the starting nine for the United States, while Josh Sargent is not. And that was certainly believed to be the case in the days leading up to this game against the Netherlands and we all saw the injury on the epic goal that Christian Pulisic scored 
in the win for the United States over Iran a couple of days ago. But losing Sargent towards the end of that game could prove costly. Hopefully the United States is able to push on without him, but we will see that game coming up again in about 40 minutes. 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener line. We're going to go back there. Now we've had some callers patiently waiting, and we really appreciate that. So let's head on over to the phones and say hello to Junior, who's in Fort Meade. Junior, thanks so much for calling in this morning. What's going on? Not so much. Good morning to you. First, I want to say something about the commanders. The Taylor Heineke thing, you hear about it, you keep hearing about it, it doesn't stop. I don't think it matters what fans say, uh, the media says, everybody has a different thing. The, the locker room wants Taylor Heineke, and if Ron Rivera goes back to Carson Wentz at any point, I think he loses the locker room. I think they're the only people that matter, those players in that locker room. Everything else is just a bunch of noise and people yelling and screaming. I mostly agree with you there, Junior. I don't know if that they would revolt against Rivera if they went back to Wentz, but it definitely wouldn't be as good. I, I agree with you for the most part. Uh, as far as soccer, the soccer games go, there's a reason 85% of our nation does not watch it, does not like it. Mm-hmm. It's boring. It's like watching a marathon. Three games, two goals, two ties. Somehow that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It just none of it makes any sense. It's just I don't. I'm not sure why we get so hyped about it. It's never going to be this huge thing in this country. I think we should appreciate it for what it is. It's there's pockets across this nation that like it. And that younger crowds in metropolitan areas seem to like it more than everywhere else. It's just not going to be something popular. I, it's like cornhole. I, I <laughs> I'm not going to sit down and watch a cornhole match either. It's just it's boring and it's slow and. It's just something that I'm never going to be able to get into, and I just don't understand the appeal of it. All right, Junior. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for calling in. And, you know, I used to share pretty much all of those sentiments that Junior in Fort Meade was saying about the game of soccer. And that has changed for me over the last couple of years. And it's something that I have more so forced myself to sort of watch and kind of learn the nuances of the game of soccer to better understand it and to maybe better appreciate it. And I've, I guess, kind of flooded my life with different avenues as to how to get into it started playing fifa right that's one pretty easy way to do it a lot of people got into american football by starting to play madden or by playing ncaa football 2014 right one of the ways that i did it started to play fifa a little bit more right i've got a new xbox love to play that with my brother online we have a good time but i've also started to watch you know documentaries docu-series like Welcome to Wrexham with Ryan Reynolds and, and Rob McElhenney, which is actually very funny, very warm-hearted and whatnot. And I'm starting to learn more about how the soccer, particularly the Premier League, is sort of uh, built and, and formatted and that sort of thing. Look, I, I'm not going to say and, and tell anyone that you have to sit down and watch the United States against the Netherlands at 10 o'clock today. I understand that some of you couldn't care less. It's, it's a game that's just not for everybody. But I, I do think that the popularity of it is on the rise. I think that Junior was on to something when he talked about the younger generation being 
the largest of the fan base here in the United States. I think that's fine, but I think that means that it's set to grow. The roots are in place for the United States, both as a program and, and as a fan base of their soccer team to continue to grow. You know, we, we were talking about with one of our earlier callers as well. I think it was I think it was Mike in Stafford who talked about the youth of this United States team this year and it's a far cry from the aging teams that we've watched compete in the World Cup over previous years and and the United States isn't even often in the World Cup right they weren't in the last one so this is it's it's a special occasion, you know, again, it, it comes around every four years. So it's not like you have to sit around and listen to this sort of analysis every week or, or even every year for that matter. But, you know, there are a lot of people that are very excited uh, about this matchup. Like I've, I've referenced already once in this show so far, Taylor Twelman, he's an analyst for ESPN does a lot of the United States games, right? He, d- he does a lot of the major soccer coverage here in the United States because there just isn't a ton of it. But he mentioned this team is playing with house money right now, and that seems to be pretty accurate when you consider, again, how young the team is. The fact that they came out of a group that featured England, who was on paper the best team, Wales, who, yeah, the United States is ranked ahead of in, in the global rankings, and they've got some more firepower, I think, but Gareth Bale, and he's the guy that that scored the equalizer on that penalty kick in in the United States game against Wales. He's very, very good. (laughs) He's certainly not somebody that uh, you could take lightly or, you know, he's your run at the mill footballer because he's not. He's he's one of the better players in the world and has been uh, for several years. So uh, still, the United States should have won that game. They should have held on. They gave up that late goal to, to... finish in a draw one-to-one and and that kind of stung and it put them in a must-win scenario against Iran after the draw against England so I've I've grown to like it and it's it's something that I'm I'm still learning more about and you know if if you folks out there don't want to watch it today I'm certainly not going to blame you and with the volume of great American football on this weekend. I I certainly understand if if your attention is elsewhere because it is championship Saturday. It is also another big weekend in the NFL and there's some college basketball going on as well. So I want to make sure that we stay on time. We stay in a good spot to get out of here after the next segment, because at 945, we will be talking some Washington Capitals with NBC Sports Washington's Matt Wyrick. I'm looking forward to that. But coming up next, a little college football. There was a big game, a big conference championship game last night. We'll let you know who won and the implications for the college football playoff. It's coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. We got a big slate of college football games coming your way starting at noon today. It's championship Saturday. You got the Big 12 championship matchup between Kansas State and TCU up first. We're going to run through all of those matchups, as well as the matchup that we saw last night, which was a top 11 matchup between a couple of teams in the Power 5, the Pac-12, as a matter of fact. And there was a college football playoff berth on the line. But before we get to that, 
Let's go back to the phones. 800-636-1067. It's the MGM National Harbor listener lines. I want to keep those open for you all as often as we can today. So let's go on over to the phones and say hello to Sabah in North Carolina. Sabah, thanks so much for calling in. What's going on? Hey there, Danny. I enjoy uh, listening to you on Saturday morning. Uh, I think it's a good conversation. Obviously, you know, I like talking about quarterbacks and red yeah. teams and uh, winning. And um, I just, if you look at the first six games, okay, mm-hmm. and then the last six games. So the first six are with Wentz, the last six are with Heineke. And you look at the team. And if you want to see, well, what's changed? Okay, well, the defense is basically the same. If anything, in the last six games, we've lost, you know, um, Holcomb, yep. um, and uh, now St. Juice. Right. Um, obviously, William Jackson III is gone. I, I mm-hmm. don't recall if that was uh, pre-Game 6 or post-Game 6. Um, I thought it was yeah. pre. I thought they got yeah. rid of him before Chicago. Yeah, um, it was kind of so yeah, changed. Right, right. You're right. Keep okay. going. All right. So on offense, uh, same receivers. Uh, if anything, we lost Logan Thomas there for a little bit after Game 6. He's mm-hmm. coming back now. Um, Bree, Bree Rob is running more, uh, but it's not like he's the savior. I mean, uh, that Williams guy, I think, averaged more yards per carry than Brian Robinson. So I think the running back position, I think you plug anybody in there, I think will be pretty good because the offensive line is, is run blocking very well. We're still, you know, on the backups in offensive line. Our um, quarterback pressure percentage is actually higher with he- uh, Heineke than Wentz, so they're not pass blocking any better. If anything, it's worse. We're taking nine sacks in the last six games versus 23 in the first six games. Mm. Um, so, to me, I, I don't know what everybody is confused about. Like, why are we winning? It's the quarterback. He <laughs> is the one thing that changed. Yeah. And he's so mature that he doesn't care about the stats. He knows my job is to be a point guard. I don't have to score. Yeah. I have to distribute. I have to keep the team calm during crazy times. I have to make sure I'm doing what my coach wants us to do. I want to convert on third down. When I hand the ball over off, I want to hand it off quickly. Carson takes like an extra second to hand the ball off even. He's so <laughs> slow. And then when I want to do a play action, I want to make it believable. So people think we're running when we're really passing. Carson can't do any of that. So for all those people who look at his stats and go, well, well look, we're winning despite him. It's, to me, in my opinion, I don't think that's an accurate portrayal of what he's doing. And he is yeah. the most important part of the team right now. We go as he goes. And God forbid we lose a game because of a, a missed extra point. Then everybody will be like, oh, we need Carson. We need Carson. We will be so horrible if Carson Wentz comes back to this team. It will be unrecognizable to everybody. That's about, thank yeah, you th- yeah, thank you so much for the call. And thanks so much for listening down there in North Carolina. Sabah makes a lot of really good points. And I, I agree with a lot of them. You know, I, I think when you break down the difference between the games that Wentz was starting versus the games that Heineke starting, you can't help but look at the quarterback position, right? That's that's very true. And even if Heineke isn't putting up the same numbers that Carson Wentz was they're they're winning football games right now and he's made some costly mistakes that have put them in some precarious situations towards the end of games that they have ultimately overcome and maybe they wouldn't have overcome those if Carson was in the game that's hindsight it's 2020 it's not really even fair to, to look back on when it comes down to that at the end of the day Heineke is is the quarterback of this team as they've gone on this roll of several games in a row four game win streak but Heineke five and one 
so far this season and and now has a winning record by the way as a starting quarterback for this team overall that spans a few years now I just don't think that with the momentum you're playing with changing this is going to help anything and even if Carson Wentz you tell me that his arm strength and whatever see we you I can't even point to the accuracy of Carson Wentz being better than Taylor Heineke because Wentz's accuracy was something that we were all complaining about in in those games as well. So, uh, yeah, I think definitely Heineke is playing at, at a level that is good enough to, to get this team over the top and, and to get them into a place where they're competing for a playoff spot. But I, I don't think injecting Carson Wentz into the lineup is is going to benefit things when you've been playing with Heineke now for the last several weeks. And I, it would have to take Heineke having a really, really bad game, I think, for, for me to do anything there because you just don't want to mess with it. And Heineke and Wentz are both probably not going to be here next year anyway. So I, I just I don't really see a whole lot of benefit to, to throwing Wentz out there anyway. So it's it's a debate that will rage on as as these games continue to get played. And Heineke's got another big test this weekend against the New York Giants. It's on the road at the divisional matchup. It's right in front of a bye week before they'll play the same Giants team back at home in Landover at FedEx Field. So I think we're going to learn a lot, you know. But in in every instance so far this season where we've said, okay, the Commanders, this is a must-win game right now. They've won. They've, They've won. And in only one of those instances from my memory was Carson Wentz, the starting quarterback in that game. And I go back to the Chicago game that they won on Thursday night before the bears really found some offensive production with Justin Fields, who's now missed a week with that shoulder injury, but it sounds like he's going to come back this year. So every other instance though, you said, Hey, you got to beat Houston on the road. They did that. Heineke was the quarterback Atlanta. You know, this, this past win, I get the concerns because it took a batted ball at the line of scrimmage by Deron Payne and an interception in the end zone by Kendall Fuller to seal that win did not look good because the Falcons were driving down the field in that instance, but they made the plays when they needed to. And I think that Heineke gives you an additional element with his legs that Carson Wentz can't give you. That mobility is something that's not really predictable for a defense because you probably don't want to spy Heineke, right? Because he might, he's probably not mobile enough to get that sort of treatment. And if you, if you drop another backer or another defensive back into coverage, he's not the type of quarterback that's going to pick you apart. So it's uh, that element of his game, I think is hard for defenses to predict and it, it, it benefits him a great deal. And Hey, I give Scott Turner credit, the offensive coordinator and, and just, the offense in general that has improved, particularly the offensive line, they're getting Terry McLaurin the ball more, something that Carson Wentz did not do. And I think towards the end of Carson Wentz's first couple of games, you know, you lost Jahan Dotson and that was his favorite target, but he still wasn't really able to get the ball to Terry McLaurin all that much. Taylor Heineke is going to throw it to Terry McLaurin all day. And Terry McLaurin is one of the 10 best receivers in the league. You have to find a way to get the ball in his hands. And and they're doing a better job of that with Heineke. And so the the last things that I'll say about Sabah's call there, again, most of which I agree with, the other things that changed between the two bundles of games that you've had two different starting quarterbacks, Wentz and Heineke, both the offensive line has been playing better, but the defense overall has just been playing better. I mean, we were sitting here 
after a couple of games, this team was two, uh, one and four, and we were talking about Jack Del Rio losing his job. Well, this defense is now a top 10 unit, number eight against the rush, and, and I think they're number 10 against the pass. You look at their secondary. Derek Forrest and Cam Curl are two of the four highest graded safeties by Pro Football Focus this season. It's It's been a collective effort, and and I'll reiterate this throughout the show too. Wins are not a quarterback stat. They get allocated to the quarterbacks because it's the most important position on the field and and that part is true but the whole team has been playing better since since Heineke took over as the starting quarterback he injected some life into this team that it's not really something that you can point to it's not really something that you can coach and with that momentum I just I can't pull him out of the game right now I can't pull him out of the lineup it doesn't feel like it would behoove them in any way I don't know if Wentz gives you enough to to actually make that decision on its own but when you consider the intangible part of this i definitely don't think that it's necessary let's get out of here though let's step aside we'll take a quick break coming up next we're talking caps hockey with matt wyrick of nbc sports washington's washington capitals coverage stick around you're listening to 1067 the fan Six seven, the fan coming through your speakers. We are with you until noon today. Danny Noakes with you, Caitlin producing the show. I wanted to get to a breakdown of the Pac-12 championship game from last night, number 11 Utah against number 4 USC. In the last segment, we'll save that for the top of the 10 o'clock hour. Right now, we go to the ice and we go to the BetQL guest hotline, BetSmart, and beat the books with BetQL. Let's give a warm welcome to our pal Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington's Capitals coverage. You can find him on Twitter at ByMattWyrick. Matt, thanks for waking up with us before the United States game against the Netherlands, my friend. How are you? No problem, Danny. Feeling patriotic today. <laughs> I hope we all are, right? We're all going to be tuned into that game. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I- I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to talk a little Caps hockey with you. Caps 3-2 and two over their last five games, which isn't terrible, but they're coming off another frustrating loss by a score of 3-2 to two in overtime to the Seattle Kraken on Thursday night, and that's a game that the Caps led 2 to nothing. Another game where they give up a lead. They surrender goals in the second and third periods uh, before giving up the game winner in overtime, which former Capital Andre Burakovsky assisted on so uh, what was your analysis as to what happened in that one Matt why'd they give up the lead yeah you know the Caps have been looking to get off to faster starts here over the last week or so they felt like they were really trailing first periods were kind of a problem and they did exactly that they jumped out to a two nothing lead uh, they got a goal from Martin Faravari who's now scored in two straight after being held scoreless up until this point of the year they get a power play goal from Connor Sheary everything seems to be looking good and then they get shut out for the last 40 minutes of the game and that really left Peter Laviolette pretty uh, angry about the performance. He said he had nothing uh, but bad things to say pretty much about how they played the rest of the way there. And even the first period, he felt like they got outplayed and maybe a little lucky on the scoreboard. So Kraken hung in it. They were coming off of a 9-8 win over the Kings. So certainly this offense for Seattle has been a very potent one, to say the least. And the fact that the Capitals held them to two in regulation is, is a good thing. But Overall, the offense wasn't able to keep it going and and then really just a stunning defeat at the end with the overtime goal coming seven seconds in. Yeah, a lot of goals from that Kraken team recently. And and Laviolette understandably frustrated with the way that the team finished that game. Now, specifically, I want to ask you about TJ Oshie, Matt. He actually dropped the gloves in this game and went toe-to-toe with Yanni Gord, which is not something that you normally see from Oshie. And I read your piece 
from earlier in the week about what we learned about this team in November. And one of the things that you pointed out was exactly how important TJ Oshie is to this team. I believe they're now eight and six with him in the lineup with the recent loss to the Kraken, but just two, six and three when he's not. He has missed some brief time this year with an injury, but he's returned and he's very important to this team. What makes him so crucial to the Capitals this year, Matt? Yeah, you know, Oshie has been a critical part of this Capitals team for so long. We know about his scoring prowess, we know about the energy he brings. But with this year, the fact that they are missing Tom Wilson and Nicholas Backstrom just puts that onus on Oshie even more to perform because they're missing so much scoring potential from those two guys, guys who have helped carry this lineup when Oshie has been hurt over the years. Uh, now Oshie is the one who's healthy. He is the one who is in that second line. Guys with Evgeny Stuznetsov and Sonny Milano playing alongside him. Three players who I think really could gel well together if they get going and build some chemistry. So, you know, they really missed him when he was out. He came back and was an immediate spark plug. It was pretty obvious right off the bat. And he seems to be throwing his body around like he's still 25 years old. I mean, <laughs> second in team, on the team in hits since he came back off injured reserve five games ago. You, you know, he's you kind of grit your teeth a little bit. He's, he's uh, on the older end. He's about to turn 36 years old and has had some injury issues. You don't want to get hurt again. But certainly he has been bringing the energy, that's for sure. Hey, that's something that they need. You mentioned all the injuries that the Capitals are dealing with this season. It's really impossible not to view this season through the lens of injury because of the status of some of their star players. But they have to continue playing here because no one's going to settle down or, or feel bad for them. And, and real quick, Matt, one of the other things you pointed out in that article, the, the, the Caps outshot their opponents in the month of November. They won a majority of their face-offs. They had more scoring chances. They had more high danger chances, but still the Caps being outscored throughout the month of November by a total of eight goals, including seven at even strength. And and it feels like that has to change, right? It's, it's sort of the law of averages. Not a lot of puck luck for the Capitals in that month. Don't you think that that is probably something that'll get shaken up here? Yeah, I don't think fans want to hear that nothing is breaking their way, but that really is what it's been like for the Capitals so far this year. Not only have they basically outperformed other teams on offense only to be outscored, they've had all the injuries that they've had. They've also had a really tough schedule. They've had one of the toughest schedules, top five hardest in the NHL, and they've had some of the fewest rest days in the NHL up until this point. So all of those signs point to things should be getting better for them moving forward. They're going to be getting healthier. The schedule is going to get easier. They're going to get more time off and hopefully more pucks bounce their way. So you would think that there's going to be some regression here towards what this team actually should be performing like, but obviously we're 25% of the schedule in now. It's, they need to get going. We're talking with Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington's Capitals coverage. You can find him on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. Now, Matt, I regularly regularly asked you about the performance of goaltender Darcy Kemper, and for good reason, because he was a part of the reigning Stanley Cup champion Avalanche. His addition to this roster was significant. Eight and nine is his record this year, but just a two point five three goals against per game average. 498 saves, a 915 save percentage. What do you think about the way he's currently playing? I think that Kemper has been exactly what the Capitals were looking for when they signed him to that monster contract over the offseason. He's here for the next five years, and he certainly looks like the goaltender that they want him to be. You know, he's had some, some tough luck in terms of bounces as well on his end. He saved more goals than expected, which shows that He's maybe not getting so much help from the guys in front of him. They've really had to mix things up. They've had injuries to guys like John Carlson and Dmitry Orlov. So 
so he really hasn't had the same staple of guys and the same rotation of guys uh, in front of him to kind of gel with those dudes, uh, feel off each other, and, and really play up to their best potential. So I think that he is as good as any goalie in the NHL right now. It's certainly a top 10 when you look at the numbers at the moment. Uh, and as the pucks start to bounce his way more, I think those overall numbers, the goals against average and save percentage, should continue to improve from here as well. Yeah, you know, and in one of the Caps Intermission Live reports that Alan May was doing recently, Matt, I heard him talk about how he would like to see the Capitals sort of morph into a more defensive team with the amount of injuries that they have right now. They're obviously a, a very good offensive team with guys like Ovechkin and Oshie and Carlson, who is a defender, but a, an offensive one at that. But with guys like Backstrom and Wilson out, May made the point that, you know, you kind of pack things in around your goaltender, try to make it tougher on teams to score. What do you think of that mentality? Yeah, I certainly think there's merit to it. And, you know, we talk about the Capitals out shooting their opponents, you know, maybe all of these shots aren't necessarily translating to goals. uh, and, And when they aren't, they're turning into breakaways for the opposite team. And that's why they're being outscored. You know, if they're not able to convert on these high danger chances, then perhaps you try to be a little bit more selective, maybe not try to run out of the gate. You know, I noticed that they came out and played the New Jersey Devils like it was a track meet. And the Devils are one of the youngest, fastest teams in the NHL. And you probably aren't going to win a track meet when you're playing guys like 37-year-old Ovi and 36-year-old Oshi. You know, that's right. just not the style of play that the Capitals are built to perform. So, you know, if, if that there is certainly some merit to that. Uh, I think that, you know, if they hang back more and try to create better chances, more high-danger chances, and convert on those, you know, maybe that turns into more success for the Capitals. Speaking of Ovi, and just a couple things here for you, Matt, before we let you go. Ovi continues to climb the ladder toward Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal-scoring mark. This week, he actually did break one of Gretzky's major records when Ovechkin passed Gretzky to become the NHL's all-time leading goal-scorer on the road. Tallied goals 402 and 403 for his career road goals. No matter what, that Ovi train just keeps on chugging, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, he's a traveling show putting on (laughs) this many uh, road goals. I mean, pretty much everybody has had a chance uh, to see Ovechkin score no matter where you play, no matter what kind of fan you are in the NHL. If you go out to see the Capitals play over the years, you've probably seen Ovechkin score a goal. So I think that's part of, you know, the big allure and what makes Ovechkin just, you know, so beloved among fans, not just in Washington, but across the country, across North America, is everybody has seen him do it. You know, there's just no denying the kind of player, the caliber of player that Alex Ovechkin is. And uh, just to, to see his name now closing in on 800 with Wayne Gretzky in his sights, I mean, it's just a pleasure to watch. Do not take this for granted, Caps fans, because he will not be around forever. You're watching a transcendent talent. Last one here for you, Matt. Just a quick look at tonight's matchup. Caps on the road in Calgary. The Flames in the middle of the Pacific Division, just ahead of Vancouver, 23 points on the season. But they're coming off a 2-1 to loss to the Canadiens. What do you expect from this matchup? Yeah, the Capitals actually pulled off a win over the Flames last week at home just after Thanksgiving. Uh, they kind of got started their winning ways here, so they're going to hope that they can do so again. The, the Flames are, are a good team. They, they had a really good season last year, but pulled off some big offseason moves to try to shake things up, and so far they've had tepid results. So the Capitals could be in a position to take advantage. I'd expect Darcy Kemper to be in net once again, and Jakob Marks have been there for Calgary. Great analysis, as always, Matt. Really appreciate you carving out a little bit of time for us on a Saturday morning. Enjoy the U.S. men's national team against Netherlands coming up here in just a couple of minutes, and enjoy the Caps game against the Flames tonight, Matt. We'll catch up again soon. 
No problem, Danny. Thank you so much. Yep, you got it, man. There he goes. That's Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington's Capitals coverage. Again, you can find him on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. Got Matt out of here with about four minutes to spare. I think that should give him enough time to get over to his nearest television and check out the men's game against the Netherlands. It should be a 10 o'clock kickoff here coming up in just a couple of minutes. And we're about to take a quick break, but when we come back, as I said, we will return to the topic of college football because I wanted to make sure that we recap the Pac-12 championship game from last night. Somewhat of a surprising result. You had number 11 Utah going head-to-head with number 4 USC. We'll talk about it and look at the results, some of the consequences of that game. Stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.